give us a view of the pie chart, where you spend your time. Is it is it is it an MA investment bank type activity? You grew up as a marketing director. What gives you the buzz still? Is it still chasing the new deal or the new market, the product? Um, I I tell you, you, you get the most buzz when you see things that have become positive things. I mean, that have become embedded within the organisation. Um, and that you, you just don't have to chase anymore. So when you see good behaviours, um, you know, a passion for a programme, and it's just happening in front of you, that, that you've been you know, wanting to do, that, that is where you get the biggest buzz, I think. Um, uh, I like a deal, of course, um, and I can't deny the sort of the excitement of buying EE and being able to trade it off against O2 and... And then getting it through the CMA, uh, you know, these were, you know, fabulous times. But the thing you feel most rewarding is, is it's a bit like, you know, to some extent, it's, it's like when you watch your kids learn how to ride a bike or learn how to swim for the first time. Those little moments where you think, actually, something that is more uh, systemic and more embedded within the culture of the organisation that is going to hopefully outlive you. <coughs> That's where you, 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 you get the most um, pleasure. Look, these jobs, are, as you've probably got, they're, they're very all-encompassing, um, very demanding, and you never... You, you know, you, what success is being able to say, well, actually, did I hand it over in a better shape than I inherited it? But it's, it's always only ever work in progress. Um, and everybody that you know takes it up, and just ideally, you want somebody who's going to build on what you've you've done, and recognise that um, you know the foundations are right, and you know they need to sort of do different things on it. But it it continues to be this work in progress that you're continuing to uh, to, to work on. And um, have you had a lot of conversations and given an idea about the kind of steer you think you should give it? Yeah. yeah. No, it's. Um, I was delighted, you know, Philip is one of my best friends. Um, I've known him since I was 21. Um, we've worked together twice. Uh, our families are great friends. Um, he went to the school that my kids have gone to. Um, and uh, so we're, 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 our lives are intertwined. Um, and people have said, oh, God, that must be awkward. Um, it's quite the contrary. I'm, I've handed over the business to somebody who, you know, I, I know will treat it and, and, and work on it and develop it in the way that I think it deserves. Not everything will be what I think it should. It'll change some things, but it won't. Because I know him, I know his values, I know his, his sort of his principles. You know, I feel as though it'll be looked after. That's what you want. Thank you, Robert. Are we well served by Ofcom? I think on balance, yes. Um, uh, you know, if you look at the, the body of the work since they were set up, um, I think they've... Uh, overall, I think they can look back and say they've got the majority of decisions right. Um, there have been periods that have been, you know, very difficult between BT and Ofcom. Um, we're going through a period now where actually it's pretty um, uh, constructive. Um, that's the nature of any sort of relationship. But I do think their motives 
um, are good. I think in, in Terry, the combination of Terry Burns and, and Sharon is a really good combination. Um, and, um, you know, I think they've now got a better balance between sort of choice and investment. You know, the, the, the dilemma you have is somehow you've got to encourage investment into the market. I mean, it's, the, the, these investment decisions are, you know, the, the decisions I took ultimately around investment, uh, my successor won't really benefit from. It's, it's his successor. It's, that's the time frame. These are 15, 20-year investments. Um, and if you, if you drive too much choice and too much price deflation into the market, you just can't attract capital. Um, but I think they've got a better balance now. Um, and, um, you know, I think, we've, I think we've learned from what was a very attritional negotiation. And I, I think if I look at the performance of OpenReach now, it, it's meeting its brief. And, and Sharon would say the same thing, I think. So to answer your question, I say yes. That's the most honest conversation I've ever seen with a CEO. But one thing that strikes me was your honesty about what you enjoy about the job and the legacy that is not your back. Do you think we should judge companies by a duality of a CEO and a legacy implementer or just by the CEO alone? I think it's... it's Ultimately, you, you, you have to be, you know, you can't, you've got to be authentic, you've got to be who you are. I think I'm not the sort of character that uh, is into, particularly into self-promotion. And, and, you know, it's interesting, a, a lot of my peers, when I talk to them, they're always selling their book to you, you know, effectively, and, and how brilliant they are. Um, and there's another group that are quite honest about, actually, these jobs are hard, you make mistakes, things go wrong. Uh, and the best you can hope for is ultimately that the majority of decisions are good ones and that time show that they are the right ones. So I look at my time as CEO. I started the share price was three quid. It went to five quid for some self-inflicted reasons, but some things outside of my control, like Brexit. Um, it went down to two quid, and then it went up again, and it was about 250 when I left. But I look at you know, you can judge that and say, well... Jesus, his share price went down over five years. You know, how can that be a success? Um, and, you know, that is one measure of it. The other measure of it is, actually, if I look at the things that I did, I'm very confident that the business has got a much stronger platform. Um, you know, be that the investments we make in fibre, you know, closing the pension scheme um, and removing a lot of the... Um, the risk and uncertainty from, from that. Um, you know, the deal with EE I've talked about. Uh, strangely, the, the, the learning we put in place around and the changes we've, we've put in place around the culture of the business on the back of the Italian problem. These are things that ultimately I can look at myself in the mirror and say, actually, these are things that over time will mean the business is much more sustainable. Um, but, you know... Shareholders will say X to Y, and uh, you know, and I think that's wrong, personally. I, I, I agree. But my, my point is, <clears throat> I was. Your story is very compelling. Um, the question is, should we judge it by what you do, which is very, very good, or a team effort that says it's? Oh, I see what you mean. My apologies. It's a team effort. Full stop. But I so when we judge a management team, 
should we judge it by what you've been brilliant at and be very honest tonight, but also to make sure that any charismatic CEO, in, in the nicest possible way, in terms of strategic thinking, also has someone close by them who will deal with the legacy issues. Yeah, look, the, the sort of... Um the sort of personality CEO, um, you know, I'm not saying there isn't a place for them and in some business it doesn't matter. Um, my view is in, in a company like BT, you can't have that. Um, it just doesn't work. Uh, it is ultimately, you are, um, you know, it isn't a consensus business. No businesses generally are. You, you're not trying to... But at the same time, you can't do things that only you want to do and nobody else wants to do them. Um, and you, the, you know, the business is so complex and there are so many different risks associated with it. If, if you're only dependent on your own ability to see things, you fall down very, very quickly. Um, so I, I think you do, we should be judging more you know, the, 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 the chapters, if you like, of, of, of different CEOs. We should judge it more as you know, what happens to who were the management team across that period. Um, but, you know, that doesn't always make great copy. <laughs> you know, the journalists love to write stories about CEOs. Catherine. Yes. Um, just going back to Brexit, and BT were quite unusual as a company who spoke out very positively about Europe uh, in the run-up to re- into the referendum. And many companies didn't want to, they sat on the fence, they didn't want to declare a, a view do you find that frustrating? Do you think anything would have changed if more companies had been more articulate about the benefits and all the things that are coming out in the wash, which we could have all predicted two years ago? Uh, I think that's quite a kind way of describing it, actually. Um, I, think, I think, in hindsight, business should have been on the front foot and working collectively at an earlier stage. Um, we were... Um, in the Scottish referendum, um, just as it was becoming close in, uh, to the wire, um, the Prime Minister Cameron phoned round any of the companies that had big Scottish... Uh, um, you included. Yeah. Um, and said, look, you guys need... To, it's too close. You need to go and tell the story that's what's going to happen to jobs and growth. Um, and, you know, I might say this anyway, but that did move the dial in the last few days. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we were, you know, we moved as, as one, um, uh, but there were consequences of that. And um, you know, a Scottish politician that's currently in a little bit of trouble um, behaved extremely badly afterwards, um, in ways that uh, um, towards you as a company, yeah, and others. Um, so I don't have a lot of sympathy for him in his current predicament. Um, the in, in the Brexit campaign, for whatever reason, we didn't do that uh, as business. And we didn't move, I think. I think we found it too easy to say, well, you know, this is, a, this is the view of the people and, you know, we'll find a way through it. Um, and, um, you know, I, I guess I don't think any company really thought, or very few companies really thought it would ever get this far. You know, they thought you'd, you'd win the referendum and we'd, we'd moved on. So uh, I think... You know, there's a lesson in that. You should be looking for the, more often looking for those black swan 
if you like, mm-hmm. opportunity uh, situations and really spending more time on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the, the point you were referencing is our chairman, Mike Rake, um, was a very strong, uh, is a very strong Europhile. And uh, um, anybody who uh, knows Mike is that he's, uh, he's never short to give an opinion. Um, and so I think he, he, he was taking that position, but the company's view was, was less, less public, to be perfectly honest. So I, I, I'm based in Brussels, and it was noticeable that actually BT sponsored a lot of discussion groups before, in, in the up to the referendum, basically spelling out how important Europe was to the business. And that was quite unusual, there were very few yeah. companies doing that. In truth, BT, the, the impact of Brexit on BT, even a hard Brexit, will only come if, in, um, if there is a recession in the UK. Everything else is mitigated. So, you know, we've changed our supply chain around. Um, we've, we've, we've been um, stock building uh, for equipment. Um, but we're used to operating across different regulatory regimes. And um, so, you know, BT won't fall over. But the UK might just suddenly get a 10% haircut in terms of its economy. And that's where it'll be hurt. Um, I'll to ask you about... Um something that's emerged in recent years, which is termed CEO activism and corporate activism. Uh, I've detected a lot of cases and examples, particularly in the United States, where uh, CEOs have stepped out of what would have certainly been considered their comfort zone or uh, normal lane uh, to express themselves on societal issues. Um, A lot of it's coincided with political upheavals and perception that uh, political leaders weren't occupying uh, the spaces that perhaps traditionally they had done. So it falls on uh, business business leaders to get into these spaces. It's also connected in with um, companies rediscovering in some cases or wearing on their sleeves societal purpose. And I wondered what you thought about that trend. If you chop uh, forward, do you think that's likely to more prominent? Do you think it's a passing phase? Uh, I don't think it's a passing phase. Um, I think great businesses uh, have a strong sense of purpose over and above making money right at their heart. I think you know, work with meaning is, um, you know, is, is, is far more uh, satisfactory and, than without um, satisfying. And um, I think as a CEO, if you recognise that you don't have to compromise between making money and, and, and making a contribution to society and, and, and having a licence to operate, that actually the two are mutually supporting of each other, um, you're going to have a more sustainable business over the long term. Um, so I think that is, uh, I think that the majority of business leaders do think that way now. Uh, and it's pretty rare you come across somebody who is like, you know, I, 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 you know not, pre- not even thinking about that sort of thing or, or um, ultimately not prepared to put any time into it. Um, you know, I think, in my own view, is that business lost its way to some extent in, um, and, and lost the, the, the PR battle of... Uh, over the last few years of, of why actually business is a good thing for society um, and I think over time if, if enough 
corporate leaders and enough companies do, you know, um, demonstrate that their motivations um, and uh, the benefits um, are actually much greater than simply lining their own pockets, but you know, they're providing work and, and, and leadership um, for the way people live, then uh, I think that, that, will, that will swing back again. Don't you think it's odd, though, that you, you, you're getting league tables of the meaningfulness of brands and things now? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to kind of get a grip on, one company or one brand being more meaningful than another. I mean, it's, there's not enough unpicking happened around that yet, has there, really, I think? No, look, the, the, the sort of window dressing stuff is, is, I don't think, very interesting, you know, but... Uh, taking a leadership position on sustainability, yeah. in, uh, for example, which BT is a very strong um, track record that goes back to you know, the early 1990s around you know, carbon decarbonisation and, uh, um, for example, you know, these are part and parcel of having a better business over the long term. If you, yeah. if you commit to it over a long term, uh, you, you will benefit as a business. You know, tech literacy is another example. Um, you know, there's there's just a, a, a absolutely extraordinary shortage of tech skills, and I'm not talking about. You know, this is not a, an issue about STEM. It's an issue about an ability to use um, uh, digital skills in the workplace on a day-to-day basis. Um, it's going to be, you know, it's fundamental to everybody's job today, really. But it's going to get even more going forward. Yeah. Uh, you know, we recognise that more than any other company, probably in the UK, we are at risk because you know it's we're easily the biggest technology company in the UK. Um, so you know, we work with the government to change the, the curriculum, um, and our uh, colleagues across the business through all four nations uh, of the UK um, have um, led the sort of teaching the teachers program about how to to teach basic IT to junior school children. And um, what's fascinating when you look at the sort of comparisons of those who've been through it and those who haven't, it's, it's not their ability to do basic programming. It's their way, it's, it's how they think in a structured, computational manner. Yeah. It's problem solving. And that's, that's the skill that, more than anything else, you, you, you need. So I think that's an example of it. Um, so in three and a half years since we started the programme, we've... Um, We've got to over 2 million school children in the UK with a, a plan to get to 5 million by uh, 2020. But that's an example for me of sure. doing something good for the country, doing yeah. good something good for society that ultimately will help your company at the same time. Okay. Now, I'm conscious you've got to go out to meet an I old do. mate. Um, I hope you didn't think I was hitting you with cheap shots. I t- and I'll tell you why. Um, <laughs> A guy, a guy who was going to come this evening who's worked with you, and I won't give you his name, but unfortunately couldn't do so. He said, look, I really wish I could have been there. He's a very special man, and BT's still there because of his vision. He put it back on the map, and it was because of him that it's still up there with Sky, Virgin, and Vodafone. And other, you know, Without him, it could have declined into irrelevance. Um, so there you go. So that's not a cheap shot. That's an expensive yeah. shot. <laughs> and thank you very much for coming along. Thank you.